Today by E and Robbie, hey. and they don't even know what movie that we're about to watch here. I think that's very fun, so I'm gonna keep the mystery a little longer. I bet it's Star Wars. Maybe. Um, <laughs> episode four. People who who see the title of this episode already know, so it's not a mystery to them. So I'm just hey, gonna, you listener, <laughs> let me know what is it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna jump into it. Robbie, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to be honest, I was going to be late coming here anyways, but you asked me to <laughs> stop by Walmart really quick to grab some stuff uh, for dinner that we were going to have tonight, and uh, there's a car wreck on the way over here, so... Oh, good. Yeah, it the detour threw me into the suburbs, which I'm very bad at navigating suburbs. Mm. The suburbs are a horrible maze. Those are yeah. the best, because then you can also watch the people look at you funny. Yeah, you try by for there was, yeah. there was a guy that was like trying to guide me, and he kept them pointing towards two different roads. <laughs> Go that way. I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> kind of. And like, so I took one of the ways, because I figured it would get me out of there. And nope, it just went around in a loop, and that was a whole big thing. And, and then, then he points to the same road. That yeah. you drive by and then, well, I tried going. going towards the other road, and then he threw a spike stick at me. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> I was just like the idea of like, listen, I wasn't going to be on time anyway. But then shit actually happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I already took I'm going to be honest about it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I tried going to Walmart to, you know, get some stuff for the meal we're going to have while we're eating. Yeah, meal we're going to have while we're eating. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, also everyone and their grandmas at Walmart again, which is probably why you asked me to go get stuff. Uh, no, it's actually just stuff that I didn't realize I had in the fridge. Or okay. So. <laughs> um, you should have asked me. I have two Polish sausages I could have gave you. We Ooh. actually are having hot dogs today. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that happened. Other than that, like this week has just been, because, uh, you know, last week I was on day shifts and this week I went back to night shifts. And so next week you'll be on mid shifts. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awful. <laughs> if it's we just gotta so... rotate all of those throughout yeah. the rest of the year. God, Make I've sure you never before. sleep again. Yeah, I've done that before. It's not fun. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like the past couple of days, I've just been out of it. Um, I haven't like I haven't even played a game. Like the times that like I would get home to like sit on my in front of my computer and like play a game or watch a movie or something, I turn on my computer, like stare at the screen for five minutes, and then turn it off and go to bed. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was this week for me. Uh, I think probably one of the more interesting things that happened was um, I did watch uh, Nice Guys for the first time, finally. The Nice Guys? Did yeah, they the Nice Guys. Last? Which Nice Guys? The 2016 version. Uh, Shane Black's oh, okay. okay. The nice yeah, guys. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, I realized that I was going to really like that movie uh, right in that scene. It's like, all right, give me your arm. No. Give me your arm. No. <laughs> movie is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it is. Um. I bet that scene makes a lot of sense in context. Yes. <laughs> Only slightly more. Kind of? <laughs> but, yeah, Dry knows the scene I'm talking about. Uh-huh. It, was, yeah. it, meant, it, it basically means, like, very early on in the movie. I was like, yep, I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, nice Guys is the movie that made me try Yoohoo for the first time. Oh. Now that Yoohoo's in a... They no longer put Yoohoo in glass bottles. They what? 
They are yoo-hoos used to be in glass bottles. They still are. Oh, they are? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Never I wouldn't mind. get them if they weren't. <laughs> I don't like yoo-hoos. I mean, me either. <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> okay, so you just tried one. You didn't You didn't no, like no. it. You just I, tried it. There's like this stoner app that I order food from occasionally when it's like super late at night. And every time, no matter what, I have to have a yoo-hoo. I don't enjoy it every time. Quit getting them then. I wish I could. Get like Tang or something instead. Ew, no. that's worse. Tang is awful. Have you had Tang? <laughs> yeah. It's too tangy. I'd put it above Yoohoo. No. Yeah. Yoohoo at least pretends to be chocolate milk. Get like Nesquik or something. Nesquik's great. Yeah, yeah. Get strawberry Nesquik. The only strawberry milk you can buy nowadays. But you know what I always think when I'm drinking Nesquik? What if this were like more like water? <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a Yoohoo. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, I was going to say, uh, I've. E sent me like a list of YouTube videos to oh, yeah. watch uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was watching the Caramel Dancing one at work, and that was like a guy who I hadn't talked to in like a couple of months walked by my workstation and saw the video that was playing on my phone and went, what the fuck are you watching? And you're like, this is a very informative video about the- I tried, and he just kept on looking at me like, uh-huh, whatever. Watch your little fucking weeb shit over there. It Basically. is weeb shit. Yeah. You can't deny that. It, it, yeah, it was definitely a weeb video. It was like, a friend sent it to me. He told me to watch it. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> should have just owned with it. You should have been like, it's a documentary on caramel dancing, and when they ask what that is, you refuse to elaborate. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told him that, and he just, like looked at me weird, and I was like, it, it's a Swedish song that got really popular in Japan. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad uh, it was. It was watched. a more visceral reaction <laughs> than the time that I was like watching a video on uh, opulence and like how it's more or less like just a made up thing for poor people than it is like an actual thing that rich people do, and. Uh, in that, like, there was a woman in a, bu- in a bathtub, like, covered in, like, covered in jewels, like, she had leprosy, only with jewels, like, emeralds coming off of her face. Okay. What are we talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm that saying that the, <laughs> I'm saying that the reaction that I got for watching that video at work was more visceral than the opulence one. I just feel like we jumped subjects entirely. <laughs> we did. <laughs> both no, are videos saying... that Robbie has watched at work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're both videos I watched at work that somebody uh, looked at that and went, what the hell are you watching? Okay. Well, at I know the connection now. <laughs> yeah. I got real lost. <laughs> I mean, this is me we're talking about. I jump from things way too often. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm glad somebody watched that because I have still not had the chance. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. I will say, because you saw the, um, I showed you his other video, which is how many Super Mario games are. Yeah. Yeah. I it did is, watch that one too. Yeah. It is much less like raw statistics and stuff. That is more of like a, almost kind of like an opinion piece in a way of like why the creator thinks it got so popular and stuff. I much prefer that over, like, listen, 0.75% said <laughs> that Super Mario Land, Hotel Mario, <laughs> the <Yeah>. Chronicle Door. <laughs> that entire video is just walls of fucking stats. Like, it's, it's walls like of defense. stats and then say, it's walls of stats and at the very end he says, like, what, uh, which game is a Super Mario game? Whichever one you think is. <laughs> In my defense, I'm a game dev, so that stuff is way more infinitely interesting. I bet. <laughs> to uh. me than to you, because you're like, yeah, those are video games where I'm like, it's really interesting to see how a player would determine what counts as this and that. And like, yeah. I mean, part of that also has to go with the fact that uh, Nintendo is just bad at making timelines. Yeah, it's true. That's yeah. also true. Um, but yeah, like there's that one, the Caramel Dancing one. Like that one is basically like kind of an opinion piece on like who actually wrote it because of all the different remixes of it and everything, yeah. and how basically one guy was just like basing his career off the past 10 years off of a song that he didn't even write, but he was making money off of it. Yeah. Sounds and, about like the music industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
I think it went to the point where like he made up fake uh, characters for it to make make a caramel dancing girls band, and like I think they're making a second album off of it, which has even more remixes of caramel dancing with some other original songs, and it, yeah, why it's not? a whole it's, big thing. Yeah, it's, it's literally a guy like remember caramel dancing money. <laughs> That's everybody from the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, you got shunned at work. Sounds good. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Listen, if you can't be watching Caramel Dance in front of someone, is that really someone you want to associate with? Let's be real. I mean, I have to work with the guy. <laughs> you don't have to associate with them. Question stands. That's fair. He actually works in a different line. Yeah. <laughs> well, E. Hello. What's been going on with you? Uh, not a huge amount. Uh, it's still animating that thing I've been working on. Nice. Uh, probably get it out by next week, I imagine. All right. Um, I was going to work a lot today, but a Windows update happened, and it broke my drawing tablet driver, so I spent most of today fixing that. Oh, boy. <laughs> a lot of Windows updates seem to be fucking shit up. Yeah, they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, played some games and stuff. That's, of course, uh, live show stuff I'll talk about. Uh, I went on, like, a little tangent, because last live show, Robbie informed me that cow tipping wasn't a thing. So I actually did some research on cow tipping, which was kind of, it was like 20 minutes of research, okay. not like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just me like perusing some articles, okay. which was, while technically possible, cow tipping most likely did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just a lot of interesting stuff, because like, I didn't think people were literally like just shoving over cows. I thought that cows were spooked easily. So I thought that was what cow tipping was oh, about. Oh, you thought it was like a goat situation. Yeah. So like I thought like cows would be sleeping and then just dumb teens would like just scare them oh. and they like get scared, but I was I also learned cows are in fact not scared easily. They are very like don't give a shit animals. They're kind of like big dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Cows are kind of cute. <laughs> Well, yeah. They are whenever they're not drooling over everything. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that, like I said, big dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just like one of those little tangents. So it's just interesting because like I'm a lot of people say I don't like to be wrong, but I like to know why I'm wrong, which mm. I think comes off as me trying to like explain away how I was actually right all along. Gotcha. So, I mean, like I I like to because like I usually say stuff like. Oh, I thought this, this, and this. Whereas people just want me to be like, "Oh, I was wrong." So you're yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do the same thing. Like, I don't mind being wrong. I just it's one of those. If you can prove why I'm wrong, then I'm more, um, I'm more likely to say like, "Okay, yeah, you're right." And then there's me who's never wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Obviously. fair. Yeah. It's really hard to be on this podcast with someone who's never wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just know all the things. It's gonna be like a seven-hour episode. I'm gonna have to do where I just correct everything I fucked up so far. <laughs> I always like those. Just kind of like, I mean, the issue was we would have to find every fucking thing we've ever said wrong, and some of those yeah. are probably just like E accidentally said this word instead of other word. I like listening back. Sometimes I'm just like, whoops, I said the wrong word. Whoops, I said the wrong word. Yeah, yeah that happens to me a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think the most that happens to me is I have a vocal tick, so I just go uh 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 a lot. Yeah. And I've just stopped editing that out now. That that's fair. Everyone just gets to hear us raw. Yeah. Like they do in the live. Just like in the twenty hundreds. What? <laughs> I meant to say two thousands and I already said twenty. Um Well, I have been using all of my YouTube free time as of a few days ago to watch a five and a half hour video of a guy talk about the Nickelodeon show Victorious. Um, oh yeah, I've seen that guy. I didn't watch it, but I've seen that guy. 
I still don't really like his opinions on most things. I think he takes it far too seriously. You telling me that you don't think a show made for preteens between the ages of like 11 and 14 about a very attractive, conventionally looking woman and her friends of very attractive, conventionally looking people shouldn't be taken too seriously? <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> he like, any like offhand remark they make or like mean thing, they're like, He's like, this is such a mean show. It would make sense if this isn't always sunny in Philadelphia, but this is a kid's show. Like, it's... That's kind of a weird way to put it. Like, I would... I have seen a Victorious. I would say that show is pretty mean-spirited at times, but, like, jovially, usually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, he is mentioning much more of the creator's actions on this one than he did with his... I think it turned I out Carly? to be, like, seven-hour video of iCarly, because it was two parts. Yeah, Dan Schneider. Yeah, so he's... uh. In, like, the R. Carly thing, he kept account of, like, here's all the crimes that the R. Carly crew did, which I thought was also <laughs> annoying. I think that's kind of funny. Like, I don't know about for seven hours, but that's kind of... Like, I've seen exactly. some stuff, like, um... There's one for Ed and Eddie where someone was like, every time a house was destroyed in Ed and Eddie. That's fine. And, like, that's fun, and it's a five-minute video. Yeah, but it's mostly him, like, here's all these crimes they did, these kids are awful. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a it's, little bit of a It's jump. not great, yeah. Um, But, yeah, now he's, like, has a counter of all of the weird, like... Uh, rape jokes and all of the weird, like, Dan Schneider stuff that he made these kids do, um, which I think is much better that he's talking about and bringing up because it's fucking creepy. Yeah, yeah, Dan Schneider is very creepy. Yeah. Um, also, I've, I just learned that the puppet on that is just extremely offensive. It's, uh, it's a whole thing. Uh, his name is Quentin Reviews, and there, it's like yeah. this whole Nickelodeon series he's doing. He started with the Fred series and the Fred movies. That would be significantly easier to do, I would say. There's not as many of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then he went over to iCarly, and now he's doing Victorious, and then he's going to do Sam and Max. <laughs> Sam, Sam and Cat, Cat whatever. I, <laughs> Sam and Max, Sam and Max is, is a, way better. Yeah, that's a, that's a very different thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, overall, I think I've watched almost literally a day's worth of this guy just talking at the camera. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Um, and I don't really agree with most of what he says. You d- I don't, like, get you, because, like, I give you the Simpsons guy, which I mostly use as background noise yeah you watched the whole thing and like constantly disagreed with them but kept watching i need to know why i don't like a thing (laughs) (laughs) i mean it kind of makes sense for me too because even if i disagree with a thing i'm like elbow deep in a machine trying to do something so i'm like oh just keep on listening to it as background noise yeah you might lose your arm if you have to be like oh excuse you and then just blood spurting everywhere um but yeah uh got real far in returnal and then died and got sad that's about all that's been going on in my life, honestly. Um, also, I read a book starting last night to prepare for today's film, Ooh. and I literally finished it as E was walking in the yeah. door today, uh, which is a good way to say what movie we're going to be watching today. Based off of a book? It is based off of a book. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Okay. Um, it's very surreal. I was very certain neither of you had seen it before. I have not. Um... Here, here's the stats on it, real quick. Okay. Uh, it is rated 500 attack points, <laughs> 60 yeah, yeah, defense yeah. points. Uh, you need three mana cards. <laughs> um, it is rated R for language, including some sexual references. It's two hours and 14 minutes long, and it is a Netflix-only film. You can only watch it on Netflix. Oh, well, that explains why I've never heard of it. Yeah, I have been waiting and waiting, because Netflix will sometimes put out like a Criterion version of their movies, like they did with Marriage Story and stuff like that. So I've been really waiting. For this movie to come out and have like a Criterion Blu-ray release, and it still has not happened. I'm very disappointed. Tune in next week when the Netflix announces the Blu-ray <laughs> Criterion release. Yeah, maybe actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, you guys have no idea what it's about. Just off the title, Robbie, what do you think this movie's about? I'm guessing it goes a little bit more than like I'm thinking of ending things. Like, it makes me feel like it's either um, you know somebody who is in a relationship that he feels or he or she feels like they need to end it with them, like because things just aren't working out, and it's like the journey of either breaking up and like realizing that they either still love this person or that they really weren't meant for each other all along, or it may even be a little bit deeper than that of like someone who's like just thinking of ending their life. Okay, and like their days are going up to like whether they will actually want to live or not. Okay. E, any thoughts? Uh, I definitely expected to be more of the second one about more of the suicidal thoughts of someone. And like, I almost want to say it's probably going to be like a piecing together of all the little things that end up causing to uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back of this person's story of why they're really thinking about it as well as their struggle internalizing reasons to live on, even if they can't find them themselves. It's much deeper on both of your fronts than I had expected from literally a title. Okay. Uh (laughs) But I'm happy about that, actually. Um, This movie came out last year in 2020, during the end of the world. The height of the end. Yeah. Um, And Liz had had the book for a while, and started reading it on and off, and... The title always seemed interesting to me. So when the movie came out, I obviously immediately watched the movie. Like, literally the night of, I watched the movie. Avoided the book entirely. Avoided the book entirely. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Who wants to read a goddamn book? Um, watched the movie and was immediately enthralled by it and knew I had to somehow find a way to fit it on this podcast, knowing absolutely no idea how to fit it into anything. I think this is the closest kind of theme I can fit it into. Family. Family. <laughs> And, you know, such a good one after Summer Wars, I <laughs> I almost did a movie that I'd never seen before just because it had, like, literal family arguing and an incest storyline. I'd never seen it before, but I almost put it on today. Cause... <laughs> just because that, that was, was weirdly enough the theme for this month. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, um, I guess because you're saying thematically, it just makes me laugh at the idea of you, like, where can I fit this when one of our weeks... We literally just looked up, and it was just like the movie on Netflix that week was an anime movie, and you're like, yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> you're right. And it came out like that week. Um, you're right. <laughs> so <laughs> the uh, the director for this movie, the writer and director, I should say, who adapted the book, is Charlie Kaufman. I feel like I've heard that name. Uh, yeah, it should actually be familiar. We've watched one of his movies uh, on the podcast before, actually. Um, Risk Cutters. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh. Okay. Uh, he's also done a movie called Adaptation. He did Being John Malkovich. Wrote it, I should say. Um, a bunch of shows. Uh, Anamalisa. Or Anna. Anamalisa. And then his most recent is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And if you know anything about any of those, you probably have an idea of what to expect. Yeah, this, this is going to be a super surreal movie. Weird brain things. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So I'm very excited for this, actually. Um, Last thing I have here, I guess, is the description. Straight off Netflix's description board, because there's no back of the box. (laughs) Nothing is as it seems when a woman experiencing misgivings about her new boyfriend joins him on a road trip to meet his parents at their remote farm. That's it. (laughs) It's the description. Um, Maybe we'll see some cow TV. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess 
let's go watch this movie. Okay. okay. All right, we'll be right back. watching i'm thinking of ending things um yeah weird movie huh? yeah it is definitely a strange movie uh like i said i've been talking for a long time about bringing that movie waking life this made me feel better about it because waking life is similar but more believe it or not <laughs> uh as i i said i literally finished reading the book as he walked in the door today um I think that the book is not nearly as confusing. Okay, so at all, I, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say. So they, this one, it, it the movie does feel purposefully confusing. It is. It yeah. is very purposefully confusing until I think to a certain point it's not. The book is much clearer about everything that's happening right. at a certain point, though. Yeah, because that is one thing that I said a handful of times. Is like if the movie is faithful to the book, then I don't know how they wrote this book. They are faithful to the book, but there are certain ways that they get creative about how they do things which i think is really fun and interesting yeah uh Uh, there are a lot of visual gags i I guess you can say like not so much gags but like it like there's certain things that don't feel like they work unless like you're looking at it compared to reading it um it's different it's very different they get the same point across though right uh i think this is actually an extremely faithful adaptation to the book in a lot of ways which i'm very happy about because i really like this movie okay um but yeah, let's. I guess let's uh, go right into it. Robbie, what were your yeah. thoughts on I'm Thinking of Ending Things? I actually also like this movie, despite me saying that it's confusing and vague <laughs> and kind of weird and everything, but I do enjoy those qualities of a movie. And like I've said multiple times on this podcast, I like movies that have a talking point to them, something that you can discuss with somebody, whether it's like they talk about something philosophical in the movie and like it has like a certain point that it's trying to make or whatever else. Like as long as there's meat to the story than I enjoy it and there is definitely meat to the story but it does seem very purposefully vague as if it's meant to like kind of make you question it so you do talk to someone about that and like what did you think about this point yeah um but yeah all in all I, I'd say it's really good it's I feel like it's one of those movies you'd get more out of it the more you watch of it and like you said like like yeah like you said it is based off of a novel if uh I feel like you'd also get more out of it by reading the novel too yeah, like I said, the novel is very direct about what everything about everything that's going on. Right. Um, but there are a lot of really fun things that the movie does that just isn't in the novel. It's kind of in the novel. It's okay. kind of in there. Um, I, I take it we'll probably get to that point. We will. I think a lot of those things end up being in Act Two. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you like it? Yeah, I do like it. Okay. E. Hello. What are your thoughts on this movie? I don't know. Quite frankly. <laughs> okay. Like- I don't know if I understand what this movie is trying to get at at all times. I don't know if I understand what I'm supposed to be seeing from the movie. In a lot of ways, I think the movie is really clever about how it depicts certain things. In other ways, I I feel like the movie takes a little too long to get to a point at certain aspects. And I just don't really know, ultimately. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll be talking about that for a little while here, so maybe that'll help you figure out where you stand on it. I guess, to give a general idea for you specifically that won't mean much to the audience, this, in a way, I would describe this movie as a sort of merging point between Ghost Story and It's Such a Beautiful Day. 
Yeah, it shares a okay. lot of similarities, I would say. Um, it's actually quite quite good. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's pretty clear how I think about uh, what I think about this movie. I love it a lot. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you took an entire day out to read the book before showing us, or yeah, before showing us the movie, shows how much you enjoyed this, like both the movie and the source material. It's a, it's an easy read. I would okay. actually say. Um, there are certain points in it that feels like you're having a conversation with you, Robbie, uh, to where yeah, you, I, one thing's happening and then suddenly something else is completely different. Yeah, there's and it a couple. Tell you why? Yeah, I was gonna say there's a couple <laughs> points that I saw in the movie that's like, yeah, this is probably what it's like talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the book, and it feels almost like whiplash. Like I don't know if anybody else has done this, but like when you're reading a book, you're like reading it, and then your like mind wanders off, and you come back to the book you're like, oh shit, I'm reading. I have no idea what the fuck just happened. I got to go back. Except that's purposely what the book is doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the book kind of makes you want to stop and go like, wait, what did I just read? And go back and kind of reread it. Yeah, it'll literally be like a paragraph. And like the first two sentences are telling you about like what's happening in the room. And the next sentence is something completely different, completely different area. And then the next sentence just goes on like nothing happened at all. Uh, it's really great. I really like the book, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, but in a different way. Okay. Uh, also sad. In the same way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is definitely a sadness to this movie. Yeah. And I'm assuming the book also has like the same sense of melancholy to everything that's happening. It does. It does. Also, uh, I was reading uh, a couple things on IMDb before we came up here. Uh, I, I have to give myself a correction, uh, which has never happened before. I've never, never. had to correct myself. Um. Anomalies, Anomalisa, came out in 2015, actually, mm. not 2019. Well, so I was wrong. Close but no cigar. Close but no cigar. Yeah, makes a lot more sense why I didn't see that movie then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think let's uh talk about uh, very very simply. Uh, it's very easy to talk about this first act, I'd say. Uh, before we get into spoilers, so. Movie starts off with some voiceover, and you're getting kind of this view of this this house that you don't really know what's going on, and the voiceover is saying how they're getting ready to go on a trip, uh, not sure how this person feels about it at all in any way, maybe negative, maybe not. Uh, even the even the person doing the voiceover isn't sure. Yeah. Uh, how they feel about anything that's happening, and then they get in this car and it's with this guy, and while the voiceover is happening. And something that I like that this movie does a lot, it gives you kind of a better idea of how the book is also structured in a way of there's a lot of inner monologues with yeah. the character that we follow in the movie, who, by the way, is never given an official name. There's like five different names they call her. Yeah. yeah. And the credits, she's the young woman as well. Uh, so she's never given a complete thing. Um, well, because if I remember correctly, at first they say that her name's, I want to say it was Lisa. And then she gets a call from Elisa, and then it's like, oh, friend calling, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, send a voicemail. It's yeah. like, it goes from, like, Lucy, Lisa, Lucia, Amy, Ames, and then another one that I don't know how to pronounce that was spelled, like, two L's, O-V-E-N, or something absurd like that. Yeah. Um, it changes a lot, and purposely so. Uh... Which, it doesn't quite take that same route in the book with that. Uh, the phone calls that 
she gets because you you get to see the kind of phone call she's getting in the movie and it's the things that she's being called like she'll be called a name and then she'll get a phone call and it's that same name yeah um in the book it directly says right away that she's been getting phone calls from her own number for weeks and she doesn't know why and it keeps giving her the same weird message over and over um but she doesn't want to tell anybody about it because she thinks it's weird and nobody's gonna believe her um but yeah so all through this first act you're getting all of these like inner monologues from this character about the dimness of life and the relationship and how she's thinking of ending things and constantly in the movie not just in this first act but in the movie in general every time she starts going on like this diatribe about how things are she's immediately interrupted like right in the middle of a thought and that really annoyed me the first time i was watching this movie um but that's kind of how it is in the book i mean that's how it is in life (laughs) yeah yeah uh the way that i first saw that is my first thought whenever she'd get interrupted like midway through a monologue and like seeing how her boyfriend is getting annoyed while she's having her in a monologue the first thought that came to mind is like is he just like secretly psychic and he can read her thoughts (laughs) it gives off that feeling yeah for a while actually i think at the at the beginning it was more of like one of those things is she thinking this or is she accidentally saying it like it's one of those kind of feelings at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz uh she has that inner monologue and our uh, inner inner monologue says, "I think I'm thinking about ending things." And he goes, "I'm sorry, did you say something?" Hmm? "No, I didn't say anything." Yeah. Okay. Like, so I've been thinking about ending things. I definitely heard something. Yeah. <laughs> um even think about mending things like what's <laughs> up with that? Like what do we need mended? Um Yeah, so like those first 15 minutes, 15 20 minutes something like that. Is just this car ride with these two people. Yeah. Which, it feels like those car rides. Like, I don't, not everyone's been on them, but, like, being, having a family that's, like, close enough to drive to, but still long enough to have a really long car ride to there. Yeah. I've been on these many a times, and it's that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, it's just, everything's kind of bleak outside, and, like, the conversation's not bad, but it's not really doing anything. It's mm-hmm. just a conversation. Um, not good or bad, it just is. <laughs> it's just breaking the silence. Yeah, which I think is something that's really well done here because, like you said, E, like, this entire movie feels like, I would say, an experience most people have had, like, a holiday time, which is ultimately why I ended up choosing this for, like, the family thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, this car trip in, like, the middle of winter and everything's just kind of bleak and boring. I feel like everybody's had that experience in some way or another. Yeah. Uh, And that... I, maybe it's depressing, but that's like what holidays is to me. <laughs> this is a bleak, depressing car ride that ends with like a big meal. Uh, <laughs> I will say yes, that's probably a little depressing. Yeah, maybe, but that's kind of what the holidays like. I associate the holidays with in a lot of the ways. I mean, we also grew up in an area where everything is at least fifteen miles away, and usually your family's in you know the next town over, so you're, you're at least a thirty minute drive from wherever you're going for the holidays to go spend it with family or you know at a cousin's house or sister's house or uh, your parents' house or wherever else. Yeah. Um, something that I think that this movie also immediately does in this car ride is establish this kind of quiet anxiety to yeah. the whole thing. Um, which I, the first time I watched it, I just couldn't quite put my finger on. Like, everything just feels, like, tense and, like, something's about to pop off. Like, I, I think the whole movie feels that way, actually. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think I pin, I was able to, like, pinpoint this time why... I immediately got that feeling. It's the fucking windshield wipers. 
they have like this rhythmic motion to them that you see throughout the whole thing, and this sound is, and it's in the background constantly, yeah, rhythmically every two seconds. Yeah, there's windshield wipers. Right, but like it's so, <laughs> it's I mean, so from t- like a movie perspective, yeah. I guess that's not really like what you expect. Like it shouldn't. From most movies' perspective, a windshield wiper isn't a constant drumming, right? Yeah, so like that, like very purposely so for a characters we meet later, why it makes sense. Yeah, 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 it does. Um, but like the first time I watched, it, I was like, man, I I feel uneasy about everything going on. I don't know what's going on. Like, um, well, it's also kind of this tension between a couple that like things aren't going very smoothly, and she's she wants to end things with him, but she feels like she can't almost. Or she doesn't know how she's going to do it, especially she's like, oh, I'm meeting his parents for the first time. And so it kind of creates that anxiety. But, like, the windshield wiper, um, it's kind of like a dripping faucet. Yeah. But on a moving car between these two people that really need to talk about something, but they can't find the words to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think. I was going to. I really like this scene, too, because it kind of immediately pinpoints what the problem with their relationship is. Because anytime they talk to each other, you notice this thing where they hear what the other one is saying, but they're never actually listening. Yeah. Yeah. Because they like, talk over each other a lot. Yeah. They talk over each other. And like, whenever they're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling kind of this. Oh, what do you mean? Uh, you know, like that. And they'll like pivot it to a different point. Yeah. Yeah. They change the subject a lot. Yeah. Like they'll say that something's wrong. And like, hey, like you're working on a new poem, right? Like, yeah. Well, how about I hear it from you like oh well you know you can just read it later it's like well i kind of want to hear from your voice and your perspective too and like that's not the point that i was trying to make but okay yeah the the poem actually in this first part this first car ride um is very interesting because that's not in the book at all oh like literally not in there at all um they use that poem kind of to very quickly convey how this character feels about the relationship because there's a lot of inner monologues this character of like i don't know I feel about any of this like he's not like a bad person but like it's just kind of empty there's nothing here like I could go on living my whole life with this person be completely fine but like I don't feel passionately about any of this and that poem really conveys like 30 pages of that first like <laughs> like the first like 30 pages of that book in like three or four minutes of screen time mm. um which is another thing I want to say the first 75 pages of this book is that first car ride of a oh. 200 page book wow yeah um, the second act, which I think takes where most of the movie takes place, is like thirty pages in the book. It's mm. they use they take a lot of things that happen in like those first seventy five pages on that car ride in the book, and they find a way to work it into the stuff in the second act in the movie. Mm. It's really interesting how they do it. Actually, um, very appreciative towards Kaufman's use of like how he figured out how to make this just not be in a car for a hundred. Yeah whatever minutes <laughs> 100 miles that was another thing i thought this movie was going to be whenever we first started too is i thought it was going to be almost like the entire movie was going to be the car ride there and they're just gonna be talking the entire car ride over there and it was gonna almost work like a stage play almost wherever two people are just talking in a car the entire time i think this would work really well as a stage play actually. yeah but um well not not act two but everything else would yes yeah yeah um probably shuffle act two in a way I think that's possible in a stage play. Yeah, I I feel like for a stage play for Act Two, they would have to do like a weird thing where, either like you know you're paying attention over here, so like you know they have a spotlight over here while they're rearranging things over here, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I could see it work actually. Yeah. Um, it 
he almost directs it like a stage play, uh, including all the way to the aspect ratio of the movie. Yeah. Which, uh, I'm, I was actually surprised you guys didn't complain about that, because I thought you guys that were going to be like, no, no that uh, the entire movie is in 4 by 3 Um, it is specifically in 1 by 37 one Oh. Um, which is essentially 4 by 3 yeah. for our uses. <laughs> Um, well, it reminded me of four by three. Yeah, it, it's, it basically is four by three. Um, yeah, he wanted that because he never wanted to mistakenly put your attention anywhere else but what he wanted. Whatever you see in that little box on the screen, that's exactly what he wants you to see. He never wants you looking off to the side. He doesn't want you distracted by like a wall that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> like he wants you to look exactly where he wants you to distracted look. Distracted by a wall, you say? <laughs> well, there is one shot where that happens. <laughs> But it, yeah. it is very much this movie is very much a portrait, and you want to pay attention to what's in the portrait, not what's in the background of it. Yeah, like he he just he wanted to guide your eye as much as he possibly could, and I think that's kind of important with this movie because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is he actually had a fight to keep that aspect ratio with Netflix because Netflix didn't want to do it because they were afraid that people would think something was wrong with their TV and then wouldn't watch the movie. <laughs> So he actually had a fight to keep that aspect ratio. Netflix has four by three shows. Yeah, it's uh, it's real funny. It's just that you know the old white people, the old rich white people, just oh yeah, don't understand the youth. They won't care about this movie anyways. No, I would be shocked if they even watched it. <laughs> like, <laughs> they would probably see the title and be like, "That sounds sad. I don't want to watch that." Yeah, probably actually. Um, but yeah, this first act really is just getting to know these these characters and. The weird little things about them, which there are some differences between the characters in the movie and the book. Um, kind of. <laughs> uh, they take a lot from one character, like the uh, the boyfriend in the book. Mm-hmm. They kind of take a lot of his characteristics and mix them with the unnamed woman in the movie. Um, the unnamed woman in the movie, I think, kind of needed that because she really barely talks to him in the book. It's a lot of in her own head. And um, how annoyed she is with everything and how she goes back and forth a lot between like, I'm thinking of ending things with him, but should I? I'm kind of enjoying this. Does that make me a bad person? I should end things. Wait, what if he's thinking of ending things? That makes him, am I like that? What if he's the person that's going to end things and I'm the one over here not knowing what to do? Like, it's a lot of that in her head over and over, which works for the book, but they kind of needed more for her in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, like, they do have narration and inner, inner monologues and stuff like that, but I know that they don't like to dwell too much on those inner dialogues. No, they, in fact, uh, like I said, constantly interrupt them in the movie. Yeah. Uh, which, to East point, you're right. That's very much is like real life. You'll just be thinking of something and someone's like, hey, how's that chicken? Yeah. Uh, it's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, she ends up commenting on... Um, the swing set when they're yeah. driving by. Yeah. Like, there's, the old, there's this old burnt-down farm, and she's like, what's that about? What? The new swing set? Don't know what you're talking about. The, the swing set? Like, why would they have a new swing set when everything's burnt down? I don't know. Maybe they're just moving in to keep the kids distracted. I don't know. Like, huh. Weird. It's like, but it's freezing outside. It's like, yeah, but it keeps the kids distracted while they're building up the place. Yeah. Um, just like a bunch of weird things that she keeps noticing on the road, yeah. and weird things that he's saying, and how he's kind of replying to her halfway before she even finishes the sentence but it's kind of not even about the same subject really no um because like her point is it's weird that only the swing set is there 
yeah in this time and he's like i don't know maybe someone bought the house yeah which like is a completely different <laughs> point <laughs> like it, it, it's not that oh maybe someone lives there it's why would they set up just a swing set yeah yeah um eventually all these conversations end up uh leading them to the house finally yeah. I will say I thought it was kind of interesting, like, and it makes more sense, like, after finishing the movie, but, like, on the road trip over there, everything around them is very blank, except for the things that she points out on the side of the road. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's all kind of nothing. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's it's nothing until yeah. it's point, it's, it's absolutely nothing until it's pointed out. And then it, there's something that's, like, glaringly there and then back to nothing. Yes. Um, it works, though. Yeah. It's. It's very purposeful. Everything in this movie, I will say, 100%, is very purposeful. Yeah. I don't think that there's a single mistake frame in any of the movie, no, honestly. It, it feels like everything that, that the actors did for this movie, they did very purposefully and very like the director said, like, you have to do it exactly this many times. If you stutter, you're going to st- 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 stutter three times on this word, and then you're going to move on. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, very planned out, it seems like. Um, it has to be. It has yeah. to be for what the story ends up being. It has to be all planned out that well. Um, but they get to the house, and he immediately, like, she's extremely cold because uh, they get out of the car. And he's like, well, we should just stretch our legs. It's, it's cold. We should go inside. Well, let's just get some air then, at least. Your mother's staring at us. Yeah. Isn't she going to expect us to go in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also- and the mother just <laughs> constantly is waving at them. Like, she never uh, she never stops waving, just constantly waving while they're having this conversation out by the car. Yeah. Um, he's like, let's just go. So he goes and, like, shows her the sheep. He's like, the sheep. <laughs> the sheep. Yeah. It's like, come on, I'll show you the barn. I'm like, yeah, let's go see the sheep. Sheep. <laughs> yeah. Um, they look at all the sheep and she notices there are two dead sheep there. Um and I don't remember I I walked away because I was cooking some stuff yeah. at this point when we're watching it. My bad. Um <laughs> So I don't remember what she says in the movie. Do you guys? Uh, it's ru- it's like basically roughly like, oh, what's going to happen to them? And he's like, They're dead. What do you mean? Should we leave him there? It's like, yeah, just leave him there. They're gonna they're, they're gonna stay frozen until spring. Don't worry about it. Okay, that's essentially. Like, well, what it yeah. seems kind of weird that we'll just leave them there. It's like, yeah, just leave them there though. Like they'll we'll worry about it later. Again, like one of those things where he's not understanding the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what <laughs> it's not. What do you do with the sheep? It's why are the dead sheep sitting out? Here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it, kind of the same in the book, except for. There's five pages of her going on about what it means to be dead or not, um, which is also very good, but completely different than what the uh, movie is going for at this particular point. Uh, and then he's like, come on, I'll show you the rest of the farm and takes her to the pigs. Uh, and again, I walked away. So if one of you could talk yeah. about what he says. There is no pigs. They're dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then she's, uh, she asks, like, why is there no pigs? And he's just like, oh, there's no, oh, we don't have pigs anymore. And she's like, oh, it's like, I don't want to talk about why they're not there anymore. It's kind of sad. It's like, well, you can't just tell me that it's, oh, that there used to be pigs, but they're not anymore and not elaborate on that. That That's not fair. It's like, well, you don't want to know. It's like, well, you have to tell me now, though, because now, are oh, because there's context to it now. You could have left it alone, but instead you decided that you needed to oh, tell me that there used to be pigs, but there's no longer pigs. And then he explains that they used to have pigs and... Eventually, like the pig started going to like this one little corner that he was standing in, saying where there used to be the pigs, and the dad didn't understand why that they just been or kept on going there for a couple of days, and then whenever the dad finally realized that there's something wrong, he went to go check the pigs, and uh, there is maggots crawling out of one of the pig stomachs, and that's where the pigs died. 
Okay, cool. Literally the same as book then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 the first time that I watched this movie and the last time I watched this movie was way back when it first came out in 2020. So I wasn't sure. Uh, the last sure. time you watched this movie was today. I mean, before today. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, things that I don't remember if they happened or not in there. So, yeah, that part's just exactly the book. Okay. Good. Good to know. Um, <laughs> I think from here on out, spoilers, um, because it starts to get all very wishy-washy, and there's going to have to be some talking about what people think is going on. Um, reality blends a lot yeah. here, and time bends a lot here. It gets pretty wishy-washy. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say from here on out, spoilers for I'm thinking of ending things. Um, it's on Netflix. Not too hard of a barrier this week. Yeah, it's... Unlike me. It's literally the only place that you can watch it is Netflix, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's right there on Netflix, yeah. like seven ninety nine a month. You can go watch this movie. It is definitely worth a watch, I'll say that much. Yeah, so spoilers from here on out. All right, just giving people a second because they might be skipping like the press 15 and don't know what's going on. Maybe they're just trying to get to the good stuff. Let's give them a second here. How's it going? Mm. It's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, spoilers from thinking of ending things. They go inside to the house. The end. Good movie. Uh. <laughs> um, it all feels very weird in there. Yeah, because like, as soon as they get in there, it's completely empty, and the boyfriend's like calling out for his parents, and no one's responding. Yeah, um, and he just keeps like looking up the stairs, like they'll they'll be down in a second. And every time that she like starts to talk about something or question something, he's like, "Wait, wait did you hear that? They're coming." Nope, I guess not. Well, all right, well let's go do this thing. And like he keeps distracting her every time he she tries to bring something up about anything else. Right. Um. At one point in time, uh, she keeps on looking at the at a certain door, and then he eventually just tells her, like, oh, that's the basement. It's, like, old, unfinished basement. You don't want to go down there. Like, oh, why, what's down there? Nothing, just, you know, washer, dryer, unfinished basement. You don't need to go down there. <laughs> like, it is, like, very much pointing it out to her, but then telling her, don't go down there. Yeah, and then you see that there's, like, scratch marks and tapes. You're like, where are the scratch marks? Um, the dog, probably. I didn't know you guys had a dog. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's around here somewhere. And that's when the dog shows up. Yeah. yeah. Out of nowhere. And it starts shaking for an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. Uh, like, five seconds of just shaking dog. Like, wet shaking dog. Uh, like, shaking the water off. Not just like it was cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's very interesting how they did the camera trick of that one. Because it is very much a dog shaking itself off. But they just looped it over and over again to like go forward and backwards. Yeah, it's a gif. Yeah, it's a gif of a shaking dog. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so, but like you can tell, like it was going forward and like go- going backwards. But since it's moving, you know, sh- shaking. Yeah. Uh, it just looks like it's shaking, but it's like you said, an uncomfortable amount of or uncomfortable amount of time of it shaking. It's almost like you see someone scratch, uh, like scratch their leg, but then they start, they just keep scratching it over and over again at yeah. like the same exact rhythm. It's kind of that same uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Um. I think maybe that's like the best way to say how this whole second act feels is it's this whole uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Um it's like the atmosphere of a horror movie in yeah. a in a like rom-com, I would describe it. Yeah, actually. It's very weird. Um this whole this whole part of the book 
is extremely horror movie, by the way. Um, it gets, actually, the book gets way more horror movie um, than the movie does, mm. especially in the third act, which is just the weirdest thing, because the third act of the movie and the book are very different, but they get across the same idea somehow. I think it's weird. Um, but yeah, all of Act 2 is like more and more kind of haunting things yeah. are being brought up to your attention. Um, in a weird way, they're both very different things, but it kind of reminded me of like the PT house almost. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, which again, we're in spoilers, so I'm just going to say it. Um, do you guys recognize this house at all when you first saw it? No, but E did say something pretty are interesting about it about how like all farmhouses tend to have different little knickknacks in them but still somehow look all the same yeah which i actually laughed when he said that because that's almost verbatim a sentence in the book that she says <laughs> <laughs> well she says it in the movie like uh like a couple of minutes later too which yeah. kind of made me laugh yeah, yeah it was very good um so yeah I, what we're learning throughout these last few weeks is that he is a a writer for movies, apparently. Apparently. I think we're learning <laughs> that writers it? are not as creative as one might think. <laughs> it's like cliches or a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Eventually, it leads to them, like, having dinner, and the parents come down very awkwardly. And when they first came down, or first come down, they look extremely old and disheveled. Yeah. Uncomfortably old and disheveled. Yeah, the grandfather just like, has, like, a bandage on his head. Yes. Um. I'm trying to think of uh, the word for it. Disheveled. Well, disheveled is one of them. <laughs> I was going to say... Um, run down. Yeah, they look. They seem very run down, almost like someone who's Raggedy. been... Raggedy. <laughs> Homeless. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> like, someone who has been living in a nursing home and hasn't been taken care of very well, almost. Yeah, they mm. do have that kind of look to them. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which is very off-putting at first because you're like, okay, well, like, they're like way older than you thought they would be. Yeah. Um, really? I didn't think that. I thought that when I first saw it. Uh, but also, I know all of the actors. Okay. So, like, it's very, <laughs> it's really good old makeup, but it's very obvious old makeup, yeah. too. Um, if you know it, the actors. It gets actresses. a lot worse later down, I'm going to say. Yes. That, that's very purposeful, I think, though. Probably. Yeah, because, yeah. well, yeah, like, but... some of the makeup that they did for this first act two... I feel like it's very purposefully bad, like it's meant to be off-putting, and then other ones are, like, where they seem older than what they're supposed to be, looks very well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so, what I think actually made me very uncomfortable and had no idea what was going on when I first watched this movie, because again, I didn't read the book the first time I watched this movie, Um, when they literally go in and sit down into the table, it's two seconds that they go mm-hmm. into the dining room and sit down, it changes from dusk? to just complete nighttime, and they're much younger now. Yeah. Um, which also is that it's a very small room. A very small room. Extremely uncomfortably small, actually. Um, and they start serving dinner, and something that's not in the book that is really haunting and disgusting is the camera focuses on the main dish for the night, and, and it's, it's ham. After he said that uh, all the pigs died and had maggots eating them from the inside out. Yeah. The only thing that's described in the book that's on the table is that there's a Jello salad, which mm-hmm. is on the table in this. But like, it's just kind of slightly more disgusting the fact that like it's unspoken that they're eating the ham, but the ham is there. <laughs> like, well, like, it's also because it's one of the framing things. The ham doesn't look right either. Like, it's yeah, a very because yeah. like it has a weird 
bone in it, but the bone is still made of meat. Yeah. And like there's a weird kind of scar going through. Well, we it makes sense with the context of where the pigs are at, but like there's a weird <laughs> scar going through the ham. Yeah. But the fact that the bone, the ham, and the skin of the ham are all the same color also makes it it's like the kind of an off putting brown color too. Mm-hmm. Off putting. Yeah. That's the right word for yeah. it. I mean the whole thing, because like maybe it's just a weird personal thing like the stuff they're serving all the food in is like the least useful things to serve it in like they're being (laughs) served in like pots essentially yeah (laughs) whereas like you you can't get anything out of that unless you're like actually actively scooping yeah which like makes every character kind of struggle to get their food yeah so another thing that makes it just feel weird like uh, these aren't these people don't know how to eat food (laughs) yeah well also on top of that uh nobody actually eats during this scene really like they drink they yeah they drink wine but that's about it you see them kind of like pick at their food but their plates always stay full yeah um and that's one of the things about the dinner scene uncomfortable like i said is yeah very uncomfortable the whole thing but the character uh the boyfriend character that we've started to get to know a little bit um kind of changes his entire attitude here um he becomes very off-putting he doesn't like look at anybody at all he uh, doesn't want to have conversations. He seems very annoyed to be in the situation that he's in, even though he's the one who put himself in it. Yeah. I don't know if I would say here, because it kind of is as soon as he gets in the house. Because like, there's this weird rift between him and his parents that isn't really said, but immediately shown. Like He always kind of flinches away when his family tries to touch him. or like, yeah, And yeah. he'll shut down any conversation they try to have with him. You're right, because even whenever... um the parents come down for the first time his dad shakes his hand but his dad like won't look at him and like mm-hmm. he also feels like kind of ashamed to be shaking his hand you're right you're right i think once he's once he's in the house he becomes yeah. very different mm-hmm. and on top of that uh one thing that i got from the mother character too is that she's very much loves having people around but she doesn't see a whole lot of people because she has like that very uncomfortable like i'm happy to have people around please pay attention to me kind of vibe um i don't know about you guys but like the vibe that i kept getting from the mom is like she seems very abused um with how she acts around everybody um because she'll like be having a really good time and start laughing and somebody will say something she's like no no you're right you're right you're right uh and then she like just smiles and sits there silently yeah um i mean i just thought that was what her character was like there's even in this like how the son treats her is very off-putting and you can see weird little ticks with the father in her, mm-hmm. which culminates later when you can just actively hear them arguing in the kitchen. Yeah. So, like, I didn't... Yeah, I, I definitely saw that. I thought that was kind of just the implication with her character. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, it, It's very much a she wants everything to be happy and okay, even though nothing is at mm-hmm. the moment. Okay, good. Um, I just thought I was picking up on that weirdly. Because um, that's not no. in the book at all, by the way. Okay. Um, like, the mom is, like, said to be, like, a very silent type in the book, but she's not, like, no, that she... weird. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, she's definitely not silent in the movie at all. She no. probably talks more than anybody else. I think it wouldn't work with how this one is in the movie. Because, again, you said there was, like, 30 minutes of this act in the book. 30 pages. 30, 30 pages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which well, is, like, nothing. Yeah, so, like... It's a, it's a sizable chunk in this movie, and I don't think you can have one of the characters actively be silent in a four-character. Yeah, which is essentially a four-character movie, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of smart changes they made for the movie that make it work. And still, like, 
don't disrespect the source material, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're having this very uncomfortable dinner, and she starts, the, the parents ask, like, how they met, because they love, they love a good uh, how lovers met story. And this is one of those things that's very different in the book as well, mm. uh, because that's also in the car ride over. She just, in her head, goes around about how they met, and it's like 20 pages of her just talking to herself in her head about how they met and how weird she thought it was. Um, and how he introduced herself to them and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's the same story, but just told all in her head instead of at the dinner table. So that's, there's a lot of like first 70 pages put into this act yeah, too. Yeah, I feel like it's a better change to have it like be active of a thing because um, just the way it's framed, it's like, it's one of those like, oh, it's such a lovey-dovey story, but through the lens of like, such a disillusioned person where it feels kind of creepy in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the story is uh, there was a quiz bowl. Yeah, quiz bowl trivia night. Uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and at a bar, and goes up, introduces herself, and talks about how she was like not into him, really, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very telling about what is actually happening in the story. Um, which again, I'm I'm very interested to see what what you guys what uh thought was going on for all of it as well. Um, because like I said, the book is very matter of fact. Like, this is what happened. Mm. Um, which I think, having read the book and then literally watching the movie like an hour later, <laughs> um, makes me understand it a lot more. Like I, there's a lot of things that I did not understand. I'm not even gonna lie. The first time I watched this movie, there's a lot of stuff that I just did not fucking get. Like that was fucking weird. So yeah, I'm interested to talk about that actually. But we have to get there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, during the whole thing where she's talking about like how they met and everything, it seems like the boyfriend is kind of putting words into her mouth about what was actually happening whenever they met each other, and so it almost feels like um, almost like implanted memories almost. Yeah. Which also kind of gave me once again like a vibe that like he could read minds for whenever I first saw this. <laughs> But once again, I was also kind of confused on what was going on, but it felt implanted because it's just mm. one of those like, oh, yeah, because I said, he said, uh, he said, uh, oh, I said this. Yeah, he said this kind of thing. And like, yeah, yeah. kind of like he was orchestrating everything that was just happening. Well, it's just a weird thing because of the tenseness and like she kind of picked up the mother's tics during this scene where even because she's a lot more like grounded for most of this movie. But during this scene in particular, she's very walking on eggshells. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Um. She she kind of takes on the mother's personality exactly, like even to the point to where they're laughing the same way at the same thing, mm-hmm. um, uncomfortably. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they go over that conversation, and I don't know. I think everybody's probably had this moment during like a big family dinner of like the parents start saying about what the kid did when they were younger and stuff like that, and it's always like awkward. Because, like, you want to be like, yeah, I, I did do that. But, like, at the same time, you were, like, a kid when you did it. So it's not, like, this big pride moment for you. Like, you're not the parent. You're not, like, I'm so proud of my kid. You're the kid who did, like, a thing that ultimately for your life, like, wasn't a big deal to you. So, like, it's right. weird that somebody else is, like, pointing out this little small thing you did. Um, This this scene captures that feeling really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because of how... I don't I don't know how to describe it. How exaggerated um they describe like 
all these things he did, like how he got these pins and stuff like that. Yeah, the diligence pin. The diligence pin, yeah. Which, if you know what diligence is, not really much to write home about. (laughs) No, uh, he even like goes into it in the movie. He's like, it's not the best performer. I didn't do great. It's just, I tried really hard. It's not something to be proud of. I just did a lot. Like, well, we're very proud of you for getting it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That diligence comes back a lot throughout the entire movie, actually. Uh, Very good. God, this movie's good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of that kind of stuff happening at the dinner table. And once dinner's done, the unnamed woman, the girlfriend, starts cleaning up. Um, Yeah, which... And a lot of things change in this scene. Yeah, like the mother no longer has the same personality. She's very... Acting almost like the girlfriend did at the beginning of the movie. And the girlfriend is acting like the mother. Not only that, but I don't know how much of this you guys noticed. Outfits change quite a bit at the dinner table, actually. (laughs) Because I did notice that how they would like cut away from the character and they would cut back. They'd be wearing something just slightly different. Yeah, and like the dad has the band-aid over his eye in one part. And then at one point he has a giant fucking band-aid on his forehead. And it's on like over the wrong eye. Like just little small things that like... I probably didn't catch up on all of it. I feel like that's one of those scenes you have to watch more than once to catch everything. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. This entire movie, I think, is one of those things you have to watch multiple times to catch everything. I mean, that's one of those things, though, that like you can change something ever so slightly, and as long as it's an ever so slight change every time you do it, someone won't notice if something's completely different by the end of it. Exactly. And that's what they do, because by the time they leave the house, girlfriend's they, in a completely different outfit. Yeah, she looks nothing like when she started. Yeah, it's yeah, great. I feel like in Act 1 on the road trip over there, she was wearing like this very orange and black sweater with a black coat over it. And whenever they left, uh, leave the house towards the end of Act 2, she's wearing, I think it's like a navy blue jacket with uh, like plaid, was it? And a completely different outfit. Yeah. She doesn't the have thing, the- yeah, the main thing I know is that she had like these big old hoop earrings towards the end when I don't even think she had any earrings on in the start of the movie. Yeah, so... um. The uh goes from knitted black orange top, uh knitted black fawn jumper, uh long sleeve blouse dress, um Jake's father's band-aid changes position a bunch. Um one small change that I didn't I honestly didn't even notice was Jake's mom starts out with having bangs and wavy hair. Um, but by the time dessert comes along, she has no bangs and her hair is in pins. It's up now. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, I didn't notice that one either. Like, there's just, like, small things that, like, E said, like, there, if you and, make them in such small increments, nobody will know you made them at all. Right. And I think the coolest thing about that, too, is there's no cuts. Like, the camera's just panning back and forth throughout yeah. this entire thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's really well done. Yeah. Um, I think... Cause that's, I think that's whenever I first noticed that nobody ate the food that was actually on the or on the dinner table. She was just like clearing full plates off the table mm-hmm. during that scene too. Yeah. Um, and when dessert comes, they go to the other room, yeah. and you notice aging again has happened. Yeah. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the mom starts talking about like her tinnitus, which they say tinnitus, which yeah. is funny because well, she because per- that's a common thread in the movie is like the mispronunciation of very main words. Yeah. And uh, just weird stuff like <laughs> the girlfriend not knowing what Sanais is, despite that being probably pretty prevalent in her field of study. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that in her field of study actually changes quite a bit, too. It does. Her occupation changes a lot. Yeah, because yeah. she goes from being in uh, 
not psychology, probably psychology at some point in time to being an artist, to being a waitress, to uh, being in a medical field. To... Like, yeah, physi general psych, but like later in a specifics of aging. Yeah. In this scene, I should say, is yeah. it's in specifically <laughs> aging properties and how to like combat it in a sense or yeah. like understand it better. Um, but also she's an artist that does landscaping that's supposed to make you feel something while looking at it as if you were looking at the scenery. <laughs> I love that so much because it's such a like common thing where yeah. people like don't want to think <laughs> about yeah. what they're doing. That was very much what that scene was. Because like, the dad yeah. kept on like, well, how do I know it's sad if there's not a sad person in the scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just imagine yourself being there. How can I imagine myself being there sad if I don't see myself being sad? Because <laughs> like, I don't know, like I've met so many people who don't want to like think deep about anything. Yeah, I mean you probably have too, considering how much you like movies and yeah, everyone likes those movies as much as you. It's hard to have like an actual conversation about, let's say, even Inception to mm -hmm. people. Um, but yeah, I think most people that like think about any kind of media that they're consuming in any way, which is maybe rude to say, but it's true. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people who just wander around and just like. Big big explosions are like this thing is dramatic, so I think it's dramatic without like taking I mean, what's actually. There's happening. a reason the phrase "consuming media" is so yeah. prevalent. Yeah, because <laughs> like that's kind of what it is for a lot of people. Is something you just basically eat. Yeah, and then you're satisfied. Yeah, um, and some movies are cheese whiz for the brain. Yeah, uh, many of them are. I would say actually, <laughs> I would say most are. Many of the movies we've covered on this podcast yeah. are. <laughs> um. But yeah, just like the way that that whole thing is set up is great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they start talking about that and start talking about how the mom like hears the how she's named the uh the buzz in her head whispers. And they're yeah. not really saying anything, but sometimes she thinks they are and sometimes they could be it just sounds like a but they could be telling me the secrets of the universe. Yeah. Uh, I like in the book how they go over it mm -hmm. because they make the mom out to be fucking insane. <laughs> um like Literally, completely insane to the point to where, like, he the Jake is apologizing to the unnamed woman about how crazy she is, and like, if I knew she had gotten this bad, I would not have brought you here at all. Like, she's fucking nuts. I'm so sorry. Um, and like in the book, she's like not bad. Like, she like goes over how like she hears whispers and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, she's like schizophrenic or something. But like everybody treats it like she's the fucking worst in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, really go probably goes to show how a lot of that stuff's treated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether intentionally by the author or not. I think that's the thing. Like, I think there's a lot in the book that, like, how somebody winds up viewing their own life mm -hmm. uh, ends up painting a lot of what this story does in in Act Two and Act Three. Um, there's this whole thing in the book about what memory is and that memories are inherently false because you've you've lived it and your brain has decided what it is. So that's what your brain is always going to remember, which is true, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the police, even though for some reason, trust... Uh, lie detectors? No, not lie detectors. That's actually inadmissible. Witness study? Witness study, yeah. Like, eyewitnesses. Or testimony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> witness study. They just look at the guy and they're like, mm -hmm. mm, Yeah, that is a witness. All right, yeah, yeah. good, good. They're like sketching him like... Shh. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like eyewitness testimony, how they take that as like the thing, but they are 100% very aware, every, and there's tons of studies about it, of how inaccurate eyewitnesses are actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, 
that I, I guess that also goes with what I said earlier with false memories too, because it's easy to implant a false memory into somebody. Like, oh yeah, he was wearing like this polymer jacket. Like, don't you think it was a leather jacket though? No, it was definitely like made of like some kind of plastic almost, almost polymer. like a windbreaker. And like, no, 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 like it was definitely a leather jacket. It could have been a leather jacket. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's kind of how them changing like the outfits and stuff through the movie. I think that's how that plays with the idea of. I think it's like 20 pages that goes into the whole memory thing in the book. Um, but like, I think that that's how the movie worked around like f- talking about how memories are in themselves a lie. Because you can think that she was wearing one thing or not, but like, was she? Was she actually wearing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it ends up with kind of on and off uh, the unnamed woman wandering through the house and sort of experiencing different times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the aging of the parents and stuff like that. Yeah, because it goes between, like, the parents being, like, I guess relatively young, like, late 30s, early 40s, to, Mm -hmm. like, being in their 80s and 90s and being bedridden everywhere in between with that. Yeah. Um, There's one spot that I like a lot. She's in Jake's room, and the dad comes in and starts, like, talking about how it seems like the mom's passed away but you can hear her in the background Mm -hmm. yeah um but he talks about her like she's like not there and she hasn't been there for a long time and has it seems like his memory is kind of gone honestly oh yeah but even he just basically brings that up saying like that's why there's the notes on everything right yeah yeah. because she asks like do you have like dementia or alzheimer's or he's like one of those yeah one of those things it's not gonna matter i'm just looking forward to the time where it gets so bad that i don't have to remember to remember anymore Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I like that conversation in the bedroom a lot because it's kind of the only time where the dad just gets to be that one character because he's he switches around so much in yeah. all the other scenes, um, and talks about like how great it is that she's there and like how she's great for Jake, and also kind of how Jake sucks. <laughs> uh. Um, there's kind of a lot of that. Yeah. Uh conversation going on like how they're very proud of jake but jake's very boring uh it also kind of shows how like some of her inner monologue kind of comes back and forth because like she has an inner monologue at the very beginning of the movie that is essentially a poem and while she's in jake's room she also opens up a book where she starts reading the same poem that she was having an inner dialogue about earlier yeah yeah Yeah. well that's the interesting thing about this scene too is like if you just look around that room there's so many weird things like yeah. the most obvious being the dog's ashes are in there yeah uh, like there's like these weird cds marked with like really morbid kind of yeah that's like one of the first things that really stuck out to me was the dvd cases like the really morbid titles that yeah. were laminated onto the side of them and yeah then, there's also a bunch of books in there about memory and loss of memory and things with the word memory in them mm-hmm. um there's also uh a critique book in there. That's a real critique book, actually. Um, that you end up hearing an entire page taken out of it in the third act later mm-hmm. on, uh, which is literally verbatim what you what is in that book. By the way, oh. actually, not that book. A book. It's not in that particular <laughs> version, I guess. Um, but it's just uh, a critique of a woman under the influence, mm. which came out in 1974. I've never even fucking heard of it. Um, but there's just like. In the third act, after they leave the house, there's she just like goes into a character. She starts she, out of, literally out of nowhere. She has a cigarette in her hand. Um, yeah, a character who never smokes out the entire movie just smokes in this one particular scene. 
And you never see her light the cigarette, but she's midway through smoking it yeah, while she's doing just, this monologue. It's just there. And suddenly her accent changes and the entire way that she treats everything. And it's her entire thing that she says for the next five minutes is verbatim a review that's in that book or in one of those versions of those it's books. Really, yeah. It's a really interesting one, too, because it's not out of place for her character either. Yeah. Like, it's a, this weird persona that she became, but it's not not her. Yeah, 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 which I think is actually really good. Um, I think the craziest thing about that is, like, at one point in time, while she's, if I'm remembering correctly, during that monologue, like, it actually even shows a different character giving that monologue. And then for, like, maybe ten seconds, then flips back to her. It's just, like, a silhouette of the side of her face, but it's very distinctly not her. Yeah. Yeah, and it's done so well. Like, I'm kind of shocked another movie hasn't, done that specific thing yet like another movie had to have done that by now right probably because it just seems like such a genius shot to me because it's so off-putting and like you know something's weird and the movie doesn't address it at all Mm. yeah like whenever that scene happened uh for half a second i actually had to pull up the imdb of this movie to make check to make sure like which actress it was That's great. It's like, yep, that's definitely they definitely switched her over for half a second. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it also doesn't help that she kind of has a very similar voice to uh, another actress called Courtney Hope, which is actually the main character from a game that all of us have played called Control. Mm. Mm. Like their voices are very similar, so it's just like I had to make sure that I wasn't turning into E and getting face blindness. <laughs> I was actually wondering how E was going to take that if you had noticed or not. I I mean, she has a different nose. Okay, that's the part you noticed. Yeah. <laughs> what else am I going to fucking notice? It's a silhouette of her face from halfway down her eyes that takes up a he third of a frame. face blindness, not nose blindness. Well, specifically, it's an actress you see earlier in the movie. Is it? Yeah, it okay. is. So you at, in Act 1, you get this glimpse, or maybe it's Act 2, I don't remember. You get this glimpse of this gender that, I guess we haven't yeah. mentioned yeah. the gender. I, th- I think it is in Act 1, because in Act 1, uh, while they're having this... Uh, road trip it does kind of jump like we'll have a conversation and then it'll show snippets of this janitor that's like kind of cleaning up around this school yeah and then go back to the road trip and then another snippet of the janitor and at one point it shows him eating lunch and watching a movie and watching a romantic comedy yeah and the girl in that romantic comedy is who the girl is okay yeah i didn't know that part yeah so i was wondering if you guys were gonna notice that yeah (laughs) i did kind of notice that yeah (laughs) i mean i like that part too because like when she's still stuck in Purgatory House, um, <laughs> that became their meeting story, but yeah. a twisted version of that movie because it wasn't who the rom com and the romantic interest that the main characters aren't called rom coms, but whatever. No. <laughs> it wasn't what the main character and romantic interest, what their story was. It was she just what the romantic interest was doing at the time, being a waitress, and someone asking about a burger oh yeah the santa fe burger yeah yeah which is something that happens in there like an old guy asks the waitress like what burger is best and like as they're trying to leave the house it's like oh she has to work at at her waitress job tomorrow you know how we met when i was asking about the burger the santa fe burger yeah and i was like oh i do love a good love story um off-putting yeah (laughs) um but yeah you do just kind of get to see snippets of these characters growing older uh, the the parent characters, Jake's parents, um, growing older and him taking care of them off and on, growing uh, older and growing younger still though. 
Yeah, they, yeah. They go because there is a scene where like the the wife is bedridden, but the husband is like probably in his late thirties. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, like, like even this scene in particular when they're discussing this new waitress meeting story, he's like taking his dad who is barely moving and can barely speak, and he gives the he gives the girl the nightgown. Yeah, which is covered with something, and then a very young version of the mother walks by with very, like, 40s, 30, 40s attire, who says, oh, Jake's baby food got on it. Well, you should go put it in the wash. Yeah, and then start having a conversation about, like, Jake doesn't want me to go to the basement, though. And she goes on this whole thing of, like, well, I mean, you can either be this very subservient person. I mean, Jake's that way. He'll get you to do whatever he wants if he can. But are you are you got to stand up for yourself, and you have to go down to that basement right now, little lady. And live uh, dangerously. Live dangerously. Because, like, the way she phrased it, like, that maybe it was her fault at some point, which I like because that's another thing that gets called back later. Yeah. <laughs> also, something I noticed in this part that I didn't notice before, and, like, I looked up, like, a couple lists of, like, Easter eggs and fun facts, and nobody brought this up, but almost every one of the toys that she picks up in the living room are red pickup trucks. Yeah. Hmm. I did kind of notice that, but I noticed how she had, like, a... A cart, like, uh, she had like a hamper full of clothes, and then she starts putting those red trucks in there. And at the end of that scene, it's just a hamper full of red trucks. Yeah. Um, because I saw it like, I felt like she put enough, like, more trucks that would actually, than would actually fit in the hamper. And it felt very purposeful because it's like she's constantly picking up trucks from around the room and putting them in there. Yeah. But like, nobody, nobody online seems to mention these little red trucks, which is a very clear call forward. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there, that's actually another thing that I do want to talk about, the difference between this and the book, is that between every chapter in the book, there's these two people talking, you have no idea who they are, but they're talking about this awful thing that happened with this janitor. Um, and there's just a bunch of blood involved, and you have no idea what's going on. And it just keeps cutting, like, in the book, between every chapter, you get, like, half a page, maybe, of these two people talking about these awful things that's happening with the janitor. And I think the movie does a really interesting thing of not having that, but, like, every now and again, it just cuts back to, like, janitors just doing janitor shit. Yeah. Uh, I think the movie does a really good job of kind of still implementing that idea. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, once uh, they finally get to leaving. Because he has chains. Because he has chains. Yeah. That's brought up a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't worry. You're not going to be late. I have chains. Well, I got work in the morning. Don't worry. I got chains. I yeah. was like, because that's not just a save everything. <laughs> like, you can't just yeah. put chains on and go through a blizzard. <laughs> he has chains. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, whenever we were in high school, there were times like, well, I got to go back home tonight. Ah, we'll just drive slow. We'll be fine. Yeah, I'm shocked we didn't die. <laughs> you did. Um. <laughs> Wait, what were you doing? I was doing the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, I I was going to do a dun-dun-dun, and then you did Twilight Zone, and I tried to mend myself in there. It uh, didn't work. Mouse runs by. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, so then kind of Act 3-ish starts? Once Whatever they finally call leave. It. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, actually, this movie's kind of hard to have an act one, two, and three. It is. There's a clear act one. There is a clear act one, yes. Uh, act two, I think, maybe lasts for the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> or maybe it's all act three. I don't know. Um, but yeah, 
Once they leave the house, you get another 20 minutes of them in the car talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're driving home. And that's when you get that uh, critique of just the cigarette there and that whole thing. Yeah. Which is fun and super weird. It's fun and super weird. And then he, after she has that critique, he's just like, I kind of want something sweet. Do you want something sweet? Yeah. Like, there's what, nothing out here right now. It's like, yeah, there's, what was it, a Tulsa tis, treats? Tinseltown? Or Tinsels? Or Tilsies? I forget what it's called in the movie. But in the book, specifically, it is a Dairy Queen. Oh. <laughs> uh, it clearly is. Up. Yeah. So, not, it's like Tinsa Town, Tinsel Town. It's like Tinsel Town or Tulsa Treats or something like that. Something. It's town. I, something I, I town. guarantee it's town. But yeah. It, <laughs> I like that because it clearly is. <laughs> yes, it clearly is. Like, even when you're watching it, he's like, I could really use a blizzard. <laughs> it made me want a blizzard. Is this just an ad for Dairy Queen after all? Yeah. Damn it. This entire movie. <laughs> you just, just like. Try an ad for Dairy Queen. It's like Friends is playing and then it goes to commercial and just starts playing this entire <laughs> movie. <laughs> be great. Um, But yeah, it's specifically Dairy Queen in the book. Uh, and another thing that, like, kind of doesn't add to anything in the book, so I'm kind of glad it's not in the movie, is that she is um, allergic to dairy. Okay. So, like, she can't eat, like, the Swiss roll at the house or anything like that. In the book, Which it like, is... works better because she's like, did he even, like, tell them that I can't eat dairy? It's like, it helps I... the thing of, like, am I going to break up with him or not kind of thing. I guess that kind of makes more sense of, like, whenever they're having that Yule log and, like, they give it to her, but she's constantly just feeding it to Jake the well, entire she's time. eating it, too. She eats a couple bites. Um... But yeah, there, she's not nothing. No problem with dairy. Okay, because when they go to Dairy Queen, um, in the like, book. Well, what what was it, Robbie? Did you find? Uh, I'm, I'm looking it up. Oh, right now. sorry. Okay. I thought you found. <laughs> um, whenever they go to Dairy Queen, it's like, well, I know that you can't have dairy, so maybe they have something not dairy at Dairy Queen. Do you want just the? Do you just want me to get a dilly and bar and I'll just give you the outside part <laughs> of the dilly um, bar? In the book, they end up getting the ice, these freezy lemonade. Uh. Is it a Dairy Queen Orange Julius? Apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, but the same idea, same thing happens, except they just don't get blizzards. Yeah. Um, it's the same scene. I feel it's like that kind of defeats later parts if it's not a blizzard, though, because there's such a specific issue with blizzards that I feel like a lemon freezy doesn't have. Yeah, but it's the same thing happens still. He's okay. like, well, it's melting and getting all sticky. I don't want it to happen. Like, same thing happens in the book. It's just not Blizzard. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense to me. Like, it yeah. just seems so clearly like it should be he has a Blizzard or something in it. But whatever. Yeah, why can't? Why didn't he just get a Blizzard and she gets the lemon freezy beezy? I don't know. No idea, actually. <laughs> but yeah. It's um, fine. <laughs> I kind of... I mean, it's... I guess in a weird way, like, uh, gel is allergic to strawberries. And so, like, I just kind of cut strawberries out of my diet. I guess. How many strawberries did you have before, though? Were you like every I mean, day? Probably like, even strawberry shortcakes every day. Well, that's what I'm saying. Even strawberry flavored things like strawberry little Pop-tarts. gelatin candies or mm. popsicles or man, she can't go to old people's milk. houses at all. Then they got no. lemon drops. <laughs> I was about to say only if they have uh, Weather's original caramels. <laughs> whatever old person doesn't have those, they're a fake old person. <laughs> also, the name of it was Tulsi Town. Tulsi Town. Okay. I there's a part of me that wants it to still be da- in Dairy Queen. So like in this weird surrealist movie, they go to a Dairy Queen though, because yeah. yeah. that's just inherently hilarious to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I guess you could probably guess by how I made the joke in Star Wars. Like, what if in Episode Five they just went to like McDonald's at a point? Yeah, just said, like <laughs> fuck it. That'd be great. 
It's like, fuck uh, it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but yeah, um, and it's a weird scene at the Dairy Queen because it's like another one of those weirdly tense scenes. Yeah. And like the boyfriend doesn't want to order because there's mean girl, there's mean girl at yeah. <laughs> working yeah. at Dairy Queen basically, and they won't serve they won't serve them if they know that he's there. Yeah, which again ends up like making more sense at the end of it. I think. Yeah, yeah I guess knowing about the character, but like. It's so awkward. I don't know if I'd say it makes sense at the end of it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> which, like, it's a weird... It just feels weird to me because I'm so, like, I don't give a shit in a lot of ways. But, like, I had a weird coworker who, like, hid in the back because someone from his high school was ordering from our place. Oh, really? So I guess that's just a thing that weirdos do. Huh. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. that's a thing. But um, yeah. So another person serves them, and her defining characteristic is just she kind of has a rash all over her arm. Yeah. yeah. And in it, the in the scene, it keeps growing. Yeah, I was about to say, was it just me or was that uh, rash growing the entire time? And that's how rashes work. Okay. If you like scratch them, they'll just grow a little bit. Do they? Yeah, that's how rashes work. I believe you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a rash actually. What? <laughs> yeah, I've never had it. I get ashy, but not rashy. All right, we need to find some poison ivy and try this. <laughs> no, I've, I've specifically learned what poison ivy looks like, so I never have this situation. I'm going to just like grind it up and be like, hey, Jirai, you want some? Drink this tea. Yeah, drink this tea. <laughs> oh, that would hurt. That would that probably, would... I think that poison uh, ivy is actually poisonous. So I think that would maybe? kill you. That would inflame your throat so much. I think it would just kill you from yeah, I think from the inside just out. poisonous. Yeah. No, you um, die. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're the pig that has maggots inside of its stomach. <laughs> hey, Only the maggots are made of poison ivy. ivy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's like kind of just making small talk like, oh, you know, pretty girls are the worst, so I'm glad you're not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it's the well, she said like you're pretty, like, but you're pretty in like a yeah. reasonable way. Yeah, in a reasonable way. Yeah. So you don't have the same thing as like real pretty girls. So, but I wouldn't know. Or maybe they're actually just tr- are just as troubled as us. But I wouldn't be able to know because I'm not a pretty girl. Yeah. And like all the while refilling the same cup with Blizzard. Yeah. 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 Even does the fucking Blizzard the turn it upside yeah. down thing. Well, I just because like it's the she keeps bringing the same cup to the ice cream machine every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just one of those weird things that is like oh. Uh, I think it's kind of the same weird thing of like how she keeps on constantly picking up the same red truck to put into the hamper or like how they're constantly bringing up the same chains that they're going to put on the car yeah. and like how they're constantly picking at the food, but the food never like really goes down or how they're constantly drinking wine, but like the wine it always stays full. It's like weird things in your memory. Like if you remembered something, yeah, it does, mm-hmm. some things like stick, but like not the right way. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. And then she like gives the blizzards and then she's like, you, you should just stay here. Yeah, because she did say earlier, like, sorry about the smell. They're varnishing in the back. And then towards the end, she says, like, you can stay, but I need to warn you. They're not really varnishing in the back. Yeah, which is that's also in the book, but it makes more sense when they like walk into a Dairy Queen (laughs) instead of being outside outside in a blizzard. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that whole thing like happens almost note for note uh, in the book, Mm. but it just makes more sense because they're inside of a store. I wonder why they didn't. I guess they probably just wanted the weird like just the weird surrealness of going to like this weird ice cream stand yeah because yeah. blizzard once again on the road trip there is nothing around them at all it is pure void blackness around them except for this little tiny sh- uh, ice cream shop in the middle of fucking nowhere we have yeah. to order outside and stand in this blizzard to order 
A if they're open when there's a blizzard. Yeah. A, a Tulsi Actually, town blizzard. That wouldn't be too crazy thinking about it. Yeah, no, the town where we're from, that gen- that generally happens. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the the cashier, I guess I'll call her, is, like, telling her she should stay instead and not go. Yeah. And, like, it's just going to happen again, which is a weird... It's not the exact line, but it's along those... It's a yeah, little... like, she's not safe if she leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's sorry for everything that's going on and that's going to happen. Um, it finally gets the, the blizzards. I'm just going to call them blizzards. They're, They're fucking blizzards. blizzards. Yeah. <laughs> they call them, like, sweet bajigas or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, but they're blizzards. Yeah. Uh, hands them over. And whenever Jake goes to pay, he has the same rash on his hand. Mm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah, either. I noticed that. And when they, like, leave, he, like, apologizes? Right? Or is that just in the book? That's where my memory's freaking out on me, because I'm like, I definitely read this today, but I don't remember if that was in the movie or not. I think he apologizes. I think she did. Or it might have been the, um, might have been the girl behind the counter. The counter lady apologizes many times. I don't think he apologizes in this scene. Yeah, he he just kind of hands her the, or hands her money and then walks away and then the unnamed woman says, keep change. No, she's getting the book confused she, a lot. Then. Yeah, she specifically says, "Do you did you notice that girl?" And he's like, "Which one?" There was several, and then and she's, she's like, like "There's three. And he's like, "Several is more than two. And she's like, "Is it really?" And he's like, "Look it up." And she's like, "Quit saying that." Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't say that at all. Really, <laughs> she tells him that a couple of times earlier yeah. in the movie, but that's the first time he says it. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just like the girl with the rash. She's like, "I don't, I don't know. It was the rash?" Yeah, yeah. Oh right, he's like, I didn't, I didn't notice. Sorry, I didn't. Don't yeah. recall. And then they're like eating it and talking about how they're like too sweet. And yeah, how they don't want to finish them. Two bites. Yeah, like I always forget how cloyingly sweet these things are. <laughs> Which that is definitely not. Well, some of the blizzards, I guess. But like, I would never describe a blizzard as too sweet. It's just ice cream. It's ice cream. Yeah, like, <laughs> like. <laughs> and it's also, I guess, staying blizzard doesn't really encapsulate. It's like a blizzard in a large gulp cup. <laughs> Yeah, like way bigger than anything. Like too much blizzard for sure. I'm not like saying they should. They definitely would have <laughs> finished because no one could eat that much blizzard yeah. in one sitting. Yeah. It was like in a 40 ounce cup, and they're overflowing inside the cup. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So like they each have like two bites out of the thing, put it down, and then he like gets on about how he's gonna freak the fuck out if they don't throw these blizzards away properly because mm-hmm. it's gonna get the cup holders all sticky. And she's like, we can just like. Uh, yeah, like a napkin later. or like anything. Yeah, you got a trash bag. We can clean it later. Like I just want to get home. Like no, this, I'm. I swear to God, he like flips out yeah. over the cup holders getting sticky. It's like we have to throw them away. I know where the trash can is. We just go down this way, and it leads to him just being extremely annoyed at like the blizzards. Yeah, just <laughs> life. Yeah, it's just life, I guess. Um, which again makes more sense at the end of it, I think. But. They go down this road to this old high school where he attends, mm-hmm. uh, or attended when he was younger, is what he keeps saying. And then she's freaking out because they're kind of going down this nothing road to get to the school, and she's just like, even though she keeps on, she never really talks much about her former self, but he kind of insinuates that she's always been living in the city. Yeah. And then she ends up saying that she used to go to a rural high school, but there was an actual road that the actual buses went down, not some little dirt road on the side of no, or but fuck nowhere to go to some school. Yeah. 
And then after they get off this little tiny dirt road, they go to this massive school. Yeah, 150 classrooms, six like faculty offices. Huge. An auditorium. <laughs> yeah, like something that would just like make no sense to be Sydney in a school. Opera house. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as if like the town that we grew up in just had this massive school that could fit a thousand students. Yeah, I would... I wouldn't believe that. A church, maybe. A school, no. <laughs> yeah. Church, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they get there, and he like awkwardly gets out of the car with the blizzards. He like, goes to a trash can. He looks at her, looks yeah. back, and then leaves. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even so much that he leaves. He like walks behind a truck and disappears. Yeah, mm. yeah. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, and then this is one of those things that in the book is, from this point on, it's the last 50 pages of the book is oh, wow. all of what happens in this movie. Uh minus the dream dance. Which does not happen in the book. Okay, I was going to ask about that cuz <laughs> I was curious, <laughs> yeah, but I guess good. I won't know. It would be hard to describe that dance in a book. It would. Um in the book, everything here is presented like a horror movie actually. Mm. Like she's in this very haunted like not haunted, but she's in this haunting place and she doesn't know where she's at and if even if people wanted to find her, they couldn't because she doesn't even know where she's at. Even if she had a map, she couldn't tell people where she was at if she found a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing is like, he comes back after throwing those away and she's like, where the fuck were you? You were gone for forever. He's like, oh, I, that one was full of salts because of the ice around here. So I had to go find an actual one around the building. Um, like, oh, okay. Uh, and then he makes out with her or tries well, like, to. Yeah, he has like a very awkward kiss on the cheek for her. And then he just, like, keeps kissing her on the cheek. Right. There's the whole thing of uh, talking about, baby, it's cold outside. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that whole conversation that everybody's had at this point on the internet um, about it being a rape or not being a rape song. Um, And it leads to them making out, which in the book, it's, like, really creepy because he just, like, turns the car off and, like, puts Is the it, keys in his pocket. I feel like it's creepy in the movie. It's creepier in the book. Okay. Um, But also, like, she doesn't care in the book either. It's really weird tonally. Everything at this point is really weird tonally mm-hmm. in the book anyway. But um, they like start making out and they like actually get very far into the process of about to have sex. Because she's like, I'm going to break up with this guy, but fuck it. This feels good right now. Um, and so they like, start doing that. And then he actually like sees in the distance somebody at a window in the school. He's like, what the fuck? And just like in the movie, he gets very annoyed by the whole thing and like is adamant that he has to go Deal give this it. person a piece of his mind. Yeah. I think that's one of the things... That's really interesting in the movie. In the movie, it's not like actually something there. It's just a weird flash. Yeah. And you don't know what it really is. Yeah. 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 Well, it look from what I can tell from watching the movie, like that quick flash is like a one frame flash of the janitor. Yeah. And then goes back to them like with their eyes closed, kissing, and then he freaks out. It's like someone's watching us. Yeah. Which is essentially kind of what happens in the book, except not the flash. You just see somebody in the window of the school. Mm-hmm. And he leaves. With the car keys. Because he's a dick, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, he a- he actively leaves with the car keys in the book. Like, he's purposely doing it. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it just seems like he's absent-minded and an asshole and wants to go fuck this old dude up. Um, And then, from this part in the book, it's literally her wandering the halls, running away from the janitor, because she thinks the janitor killed Jake. Um, And then we'll get into what that leads to. Um, Which, I guess, we, kind of explains the dance, actually. Uh, kind of they they do different things in the story like there's a there's a monologue that she has with the janitor in the movie that is also one of the inner monologues she has in her head in the car ride the second time about Mm. what meeting was actually like and what it actually meant to 
be meeting for the first time and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, we're about to get there. Uh, in the movie, she like want, goes in and starts wandering around and hides from the janitor for a second, and that's when she has the monologue with the janitor. Yeah, because like she's like like, hey, I'm looking for my boyfriend in here. Uh, have you seen him? What does he look like? He's like? Well, describing people is kind of hard, you know. Like whenever we first met, and you know, it's kind of creepy, and like you know, I didn't want to say no to him, and I figured the easiest way to you know get him to get away from me was just to give him my number. I didn't think he was gonna call. I didn't think it was gonna be this whole big relationship that we we're gonna be having. Have you seen anyone like that? Actually, she doesn't even say I didn't think it was gonna be this like a relationship. She literally talks about how they met and then never talked again. Oh, in the movie, um, she's like, and I all I could think about in that time was like, I can't wait for my boyfriend to get here because if my boyfriend were here, he wouldn't even come and talk to me. And how fucked up right. is it that if a woman has a boyfriend, suddenly the, all the other men respect that? I guess sometimes, um, that doesn't happen in the book. Um, mm. in the book, it. Again, it's one of those things to where, like, she's thinking about something, and then the next sentence, it's literally a completely different subject, and they're off on a whole different thing. So she's, like, talking about how, like, she doesn't think that the lemonades are too sweet. Uh, and then the next sentence is, like, I don't even know what would happen if I actually did talk to her. I don't know what would happen if I really met her that night, or if I did give her my number, if I was brave enough. Because in the book, there's a whole story about how, like, they met and they were hitting it off, but never got her name at the bar. <laughs> um which explains why she doesn't really have a name. Yeah. Um, and he's like, and the story that he tells in the book is that he like wrote his name on a piece of paper and snuck it into her pocket, his name and number, and she called him. And so in the book, he goes off on like, uh, what would my life have been like if I were that brave? What if I did give her that number and she did call me? And we did talk for a while and I did take her to meet my parents. What would my life have been like? Would I still be in this position? Would I still be here? doing this stupid job, would I still have left being a scientist to be a goddamn janitor? Um, and he's like, doesn't matter. It didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. Why should I even bother thinking about it? And in the movie, it doesn't explain it that clearly. Does it <laughs> really? No, yeah, it doesn't. I didn't grab that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't grab that at all either. Honestly, my interpretation of here is the janitor. Well, it says in the book, the janitor is the boyfriend, mm -hmm. but this is her ending it as the title is implying, that this was her finally breaking it off with him. Because basically at this point, she's done in the movie. Yeah. She doesn't need to be there anymore. Interesting. Yeah, that's, um, like, that's, that's kind of how I, I interpret like. it too, is that like she broke it off with him and then he just became a janitor. Because like, I think because the reason of why I felt that way is just through the janitor's kind of actions. Because like, even after that spiel, she, like, gives the janitor a little hug, and, like, the janitor tried to give her his shoes. Yeah. So it yeah. felt more like him being like, no, we can work this out, we can save it, being the shoes as a metaphor, and her denying it is her finally being like, it's not anything. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. And that was the final hug before she left his life, which is why the janitor very heartbroken after that. Yeah. And kind of how, that, that's kind of how I interpret it too, is that she left him and then he became a janitor. And like at the very end, whenever he's having that little accepted speech of if things would have worked out, how his life could have turned out. But You're it missing didn't. a very big part yeah. of the story here, yeah. Robbie, in the movie. There's a 10 minute dream dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of them having the dream dance and then a janitor fighting the would be boyfriend. Well,. That's actually something that's interesting that I think makes a lot more sense having read the book. Uh-huh. 
Um, in that dream dance, I had no fucking clue what was going on when I watched it the first time. I don't know. I thought the <laughs> that guy killed the original boyfriend that she'd uh, supposedly talked about. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. I mean, in a weird way, what that felt like to me is like seeing your like almost like seeing the movie interpretation of yourself. Because the thing is, is like the two dancers that are dancing uh, that dream that that sequence are younger, uh, more like younger in better shape and more attractive than the main characters are. And it felt like very purposely of like, almost like you would say like the movie interpretation of a person. Fair, fair. Um, what, what do you guys think that dance scene is literally saying? Cause I have, having read the book, I think I have a clear, much clearer picture of what that dance is. I mean, I feel like it's just kind of the metaphorical death of the self. Ultimately. Oh, kind of like, yeah. Like, the- Cause I could have been this one person, but instead I'm the I am this other person. Like I could have been the scientist that he said that he was going to be, but instead he ended up being the janitor. So mm-hmm. like the janitor killed who the scientist was going to be. Okay. And then I still kind of believe my original intention that this is still ultimately a movie about suicide. So I think it's also a literal death of the self in a sense, as like you can see him slowly bleeding out and just kind of getting buried in this uh, fake snow. Yeah. Which is very apt for what happens next. Yeah. Um. So I, I think you nailed it. E. It's literally death of self in the book. It literally explains everything that happens. So um, it leaves nothing up to interpretation. Uh, Unlike the movie that leaves everything up to interpretation. Yeah. I think reading the book and then watching the movie paints a much clearer picture than either one does by itself, actually. Okay. Um, they go really well together, surprisingly. Um, the dance, from everything I can tell from watching and reading, is literally, he was a professor when he met this girl at this bar. He never got her name. He was never brave enough to actually give give his number to go and meet this person. Um, and so he actually ended up hating the person that he was as a professor. He was very quiet. He was very laid back. He didn't talk to anybody. And so he killed the professor. Um, he literally left his job because he didn't like who he was in that position anymore. And he went off to be a professor. Um, a janitor? Janitor. A janitor. Sorry. Yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, he left. I kept saying professor. Scientist also is what he was. Not a professor. <laughs> <laughs> so professor, left, scientist, same Same thing. Um, yeah, he left from being a scientist because uh, he hated himself and he hated his job and that it was doing nothing for him in his life. Uh, and he thought, like, if I if I can just leave this and do what I want, maybe I can be brave enough to go and do anything else. Maybe I can get the woman, maybe I can blah, blah, blah. And so the dance is literally him killing the scientist of himself to be this janitor, this simpler life, this thing that he thinks on the outside looking in is this much easier life than what he's been doing. Much simpler life, a less questioned life. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think basically he nailed it. <laughs> Yeah. Death of self kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he was, the book strip says at one point he was a scientist. Mm. And it goes in, there's a lot more conversations about dumb science stuff in the book. They're like, hey, H2O. It's it's all about like icicles and all kinds of stuff. Icicles don't soften when they die, you know. <laughs> um, And then it is, I think let's just get into the final point of it. Um, it is still also about suicide. Okay. Um, it in the book, I'm gonna say exactly what happens, and then we're gonna say the movie. 
in the book, he gets tired of living his life of being a failure and not having lived up to anything that he ever thought he could be, even after he killed the scientist of himself and went on to be a janitor. He gets a coat hanger and bends it to be this prod and stabs himself in the neck and the face until he bleeds out. Jesus. It's super fucking brutal, actually. Yeah. Um, and in the movie, he... There's talks throughout the whole movie of, like, hypothermia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember any of that talk in it. But it's brought up a few times, like, hypothermia. And even the girl, like, mentions hypothermia and, like, how long it would take if she were in that car and she died. Yeah, she yeah. was thinking about it. Yeah. Um. So, at the end, whenever he, like, leaves the school and he goes and sits in his car, he turns his car off and puts his keys to the side. Um. He dies in that car. Uh, the visions he ends up having of the song of the Tulsi Town, Tulsi yeah. Town, um, is all in his head from hypothermia. Uh, when he sees the pig and everything like that, like he starts taking off his clothes. That's a symptom of that. Um, yeah, you start becoming really hot before you die. Yeah, eventually. so that uh, that's him. He he literally decided he's not good enough for anything, so he's ending it. Through the whole book, he's been thinking of ending it. And uh, it leads on the idea that it's about a relationship, but at the end it ends up being about his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just kills himself via hypothermia in yeah. in the movie. But not before, like, this lucid dream sequence where he's following that pig as the pig monologues to him yeah. about everything. And it tells him he needs to get dressed as he accepts his, accept his uh, Nobel Peace I guess not necessarily Peace Prize, but his Nobel something science prize. Yeah, Nobel yeah. Science Prize. And <laughs> he's he's just accepting it, saying, like, I couldn't do it without you, with it being this <laughs> weird makeup version of the girl. Hollywood made, fake makeup version. Yeah, yeah, it's a look old, but yeah. like discernibly weird and off puttingly. Yeah. Uh and then he sings a song. About- I assume from Oklahoma? I don't know, actually. Okay. I don't know Oklahoma well enough. You didn't you didn't see any facts about that? I did not. Okay. Um maybe it's not from Oklahoma. The then. only thing that I know is that piece at the end, the actor actually sang himself. I was gonna ask about that actually. Uh the director didn't have any plans of him like being a good singer or anything like that. He's like, Do you want do you wanna do it? He's like, Yeah, okay. He had no training, he's like never sung anything in his life, but he just did it and I think actually he was really good. Yeah. He does pretty well. Like there's a couple of notes he can't hit, but Yeah, but like, like it's fine. Like yeah. it's him singing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really good. Um, and that's how the movie ends with him, like, singing that, and you get the last shot of snow covering this truck. Um, and in the book, it's, um, he killed himself in his broom closet with the hangers, Mm -hmm. and, like, those snippets you get of two people talking are talking about his suicide, and that at the end, like, all the blood and everything is all of his blood. Um, and they're like, well, did he, like, leave anything? Like, does anyone know why he did it? He's like, well, he left a note. Like, oh, he did? It's it's very long. It's it's almost a diary, honestly. I can't really tell what's happening in it. Some things, it seems like he's in it, but he's not in it. And it seems like maybe it's about him and it's not. I don't know. It's really confusing. You can read it if you want. Um, once you're finished with it, you might want to go to the beginning and read it again. That's <laughs> how so the book ends. It's literally, hey, so go the read is, the book again. So basically, the book is a suicide note. Essentially, okay. yeah. Okay. So there was... Uh, that kind of reminds me because when they initially were doing the uh, critique, I was curious if it because I thought it was like a critique of its own movie. It kind of is, yeah. Because yeah. like it's talking about how you can't really follow the characters very well, and in a lot of ways they're way too like one note. Mm-hmm. But 
in a discerning manner like if the characters feel the way they are if they're kind of bad caricatures of stuff if certain characters deserve anything and it's just this weird like yeah interesting thing about it yeah but ultimately i think i end up really liking about it and like how the movie i think makes it work really well of like it's this memory piece of like how your memory lies to you almost in a lot of ways and i think that that happens a lot through like the dinner scene and stuff of like mm-hmm. things are changing and how erratically people act like you get the and, and i think i think everybody has this maybe maybe they don't maybe i'm crazy but like whenever i have certain memories i have like this essence of how everybody was acting but i don't have like a specific thing like if i think of dinner i had three years ago and like it's a dinner i can actually remember like i don't remember the conversation that was had i remember kind of like the feeling that was there and i kind of how people were sort of acting but i don't remember like a specific thing about it i don't know if anybody else is that way i don't know i would i would say with both my memories i can really only remember a vibe right but like something i've told you like i can't really see stuff in my head very well so i think it makes a lot more sense why i can't remember like like i couldn't tell you what like the seating of any any dinner i've ever had would be because i can't remember that right i could like tell you who i probably talked to and like maybe a general idea of a conversation but i couldn't tell you much about it yeah um well, that's that's how I feel about it. But it also like explains the aging and de-aging of the parents because like that's kind of how you think about things. Like your your brain sort of goes wherever it wants to think about, mm-hmm. and you're kind of at your brain's whim. Obviously, you're you're a brain. Yeah, uh, you're in a meat mech suit. Well, I think in general with a lot of people, you always remember like your parents and your grandparents at an age in your yes. life. You don't like think about them aging ever. Right, like they're this one thing to you. Um, well, it also goes between like different memories too. Kind of mm-hmm. like if you think of memories that we had whenever we were kids and like what everyone looked like then, and then skip you know ten years later whenever we were graduating high school, how they looked after that, and then skip to last Thanksgiving whenever we saw families right. and what they looked like then. Kind but of like whenever you think about that, like do you think about how they looked then, or do you think about how you think they look? About how they, I think that they looked, exactly. but also it, it's also <laughs> a very blurry thing though too because exactly, it's just kind yeah. of one of those like. Like you said, where the memory kind of lies to you about that, like I guess, like last Thanksgiving dinner that you went to with family, what was everybody wearing? What or what was their hairstyle? Did so and so have a beard? Did they shave it? Were they wearing glasses? Uh, what kind of shoes were they wearing? Kind of thing. Like, what did you actually eat? Right, exactly. Like, turkey. What do you actually remember? <laughs> like that's why I think this movie does an incredible job. Where maybe the book falters a bit in that space. Um, like it makes you question things, like how your brain would question things. Yeah. And whenever it first started going into that, of like not sure exactly what's happening like clothes are changing people's age are aging and de-aging in weird ways it, it made me for a half a second think like is this movie about dementia like is it about <laughs> yeah. well i think mean, that's kind of like i said at the beginning i was feeling it was a merge point between ghost story and uh the, it's such a beautiful day yeah that's kind of what it why it is because just like a lot of the conversations and how they framed certain things remind me a lot of it's such a beautiful day yeah because like in it's such a beautiful day it's very mundane conversations told in a very like harrowing manner mm-hmm. because you know what it's actually about right whereas like this is a similar thing though a little oddly enough a little more abstract yeah yeah like, somehow <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
one last little fun thing that I have here about this. It's the cast, specifically. Um, the guy was in Fargo. You. Well, yes, but it seems like <laughs> Kaufman watched all of Fargo, and he's like, yes, please. Um, four of the actors who have appeared in four, three, two, and one season of Fargo. Um, Jesse Buckley as Orietta Mayflower in season four. Um, David Thewlis as VM Varga in season three. Jesse Plemons as Ed Blemquist in two. And Oliver Platt as Stavros Milos in season one. <laughs> Out of the main cast, the only person that has not been in Fargo is the mother character. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's amazing. It just seems like he was watching Fargo and he's like, yeah, I'll take him. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but I think we, we've been running here for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into final thoughts. Robbie, let's start with you. So once again, I do absolutely love this movie. Um, it is very much a thought piece between the conversation that they're having to and from the parents' house to the mind fuck that actually is the parents' house to like some of the weird shit that happens at the school. Like It is very much a thought piece in a weird way. Yeah. And I do enjoy it for that. Like it is purposefully vague and purposely confusing, but it's a movie that's begging for you to pay attention to what's actually happening. And I do absolutely love that. I do absolutely love that it's a movie that like it could be a talking piece. It's not just something that you watch and go like, "Okay, that was a movie." It's something that I feel does need to be talked about afterwards with someone. And those are honestly my favorite kind of movies with yeah. that. And like this movie does it very well. Um it is very much a mind trip kind of it's a mind trip disguised as an anti-love movie (laughs) a little bit yeah and i do really like that and i think it's one of those like i do it does make me want to rewatch the movie and it does make me want to read the book and like look deeper into like all the thought process that went into you know the creation of both of them um i'd give it 9.5 i really liked it all right e um you probably won't like this answer, but I still don't think I'm really comfortable giving any sort of rating to this because I don't know if I've really collected my thoughts about it enough. Roll a d10. After <laughs> after uh, discussing with you guys, I think I have a clear idea of what the movie is about, especially yeah. with your insight from the book. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I really enjoy all of the aspects of it. Okay. Or if I think it's pretentious in some senses, or if I think it's genius in some senses. like. I just don't know if I can really coherently string together everything to be like, I definitely like this movie or I just didn't, it didn't vibe with this. So I just, I can't give a rating, unfortunately. I think in a weird way, that means that the movie did its job for you. I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Um. The the comparison to Ghost Story is very apt because that's the same thing I told Jirai after I watched Ghost Stories. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this movie. Yeah. And I think, I don't think you're wrong for feeling that, honestly. I think that this movie very purposely wants you to question what it is. Um, I think it wants you to think about the things that it's talking about, and I think that it wants you to really wonder about what was important in it and what wasn't. Was any of it important? Or was it just some mindless nonsense? Like, I think, I think the question is purposely making you, forcing you to think about what it was. Um, for me personally, I really enjoy that. Uh, I like when a movie is like, hey, here is everything. Like, I'm not, I'm not leaving anything out. It's all here for you. Um, what, do, what, do you, what do you want? What do you want from this? 
Like, what what do you want? That's what it is for you. Yeah. Um. It's like, hey, here's this platter of food for you right here. Like, here's all of it. Like, you can decide whether you like it or not. Like, why are there grapes in the gravy? It's just all there. <laughs> I would eat them still. But, like, you're not wrong. Like, I think it's a weird thing to say, but I think this movie is, in a lot of ways, extremely brave. Um, it took, even before I, I read the book, I, I liked the movie. I just liked everything that it was doing. I thought it was very strange and very surreal. And uh, made me think very much about the holidays in a depressing way, like uh, I said before. But it, it's faithful to the book while still doing its own thing, which I think is very difficult to do when you're doing a book adaptation. Um, I think somehow it captured the tone of what the book was going for better than the book did in a lot of ways as well. It's, it's good. It's a very good story, and I like that throughout the whole thing, you're questioning everything. The whole thing. Even after my first time watching it, I would say I was still questioning it. I was still questioning it up to today after we finished watching it. And there's some things that I'm not sure if I agree with if the movie is trying to make me agree with it or not, or if it's trying to tell me this thing's wrong by having characters say it in this way. Like, I don't know, but I like it. I do honestly really, really, really love this movie. Like I said, I am, I am itching, scratching for it to be released on Blu-ray so I can just add it right next to Ghost Story. I'm going to put it right next to it, <laughs> but next to Ghost Story and next to Fargo. Um, I love this movie. I really do. Um, I had been trying to find a way to fit it into this podcast without it being just weird. So I think I found the only time where this vibe fits with the time of the year. Should have just did a double feature this and Ghost Story back to back. And have Sam here so she could tell me to go fuck myself because it's pretentious <laughs> garbage. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Um, I would give it a 10, honestly. I think it... I think if you're willing to let it consume your mind for a bit, then it's just an enjoyable thing through the whole thing. And I don't know if it gives me things to think about that I never thought about before, but it gives me things to think about in a context I've never thought about them before. And I think that that's important for art to be able to do. I think that that's what this did for me in a lot of ways. So yeah, I would give it a 10 out of 10. It's as perfect as a film can be in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things I probably, if I read the book or if I've seen it like a second or third time, I probably would give it a 10. But like as of right now, it's just, I, I think I need more to chew on with it being the first time that I've watched this movie or even heard about it until tonight. <laughs> right. Um, and honestly, I think that the book is like a really good companion piece. I think it answers questions that this one asks and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, very, very strange. And I think very purposeful about it. Yeah. But again, we've been going for a while. E. Hello. If people want to get a hold of us, uh, where can they do that? We have a link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash L-O-I-P, which gives you a link to all our social medias and listen medias. We also have an email, the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your Baby cards. Cards? Cars. Cars? There's a car in this movie. Okay. Send us your cars. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, Robbie, do your thing. Okay. So, round about, make sure you're kind to one another, and make sure to stay safe.
make sure to be six feet apart, wear a mask, wash your hands for at least 20 seconds, get vaccinated if you can. But if not, make sure to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether this is the very first time you've listened to us or you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Hopefully you guys have a great week out there. Hopefully your last week was great as well. We will be back with you next week for some more movie stuff. Um, next week is going to be Star Wars. We're finishing yep. it. The last one ever. The last Woo! one ever. Uh, we're never watching Star Wars or talking about it ever again after next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we start all of the Star Trek. <laughs> and then the podcast ends because we get bored. <laughs> uh, have a great one, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.